With that said, man, let's get a little bit more insight on this whole Dan Quinn and filling the defensive coordinator position with our guy Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com in this week's edition of The Scientific Method. Good morning, good brother. What is the good word, my brother? Hey, man, all I can say is you you are a prophet. You knew exactly what how to handle this whole thing. You say, hey, just just, just wait. Give me a day, man. I got something for you. Give me a day. And then boom, news drops. We get you in here. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that's the feeling that was going on when I woke up yesterday morning as far as um, I know last week um, we had talked on Wednesday evening, mm-hmm. something to that effect, and we were talking about potentially pushing the show to Friday, which we ended up doing for different reasons. But one of the reasons we were going to do it, push it to Friday last week was because you wanted to kind of hold out on that last Thursday to see if that news would drop in. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Then I was like, yeah, I don't see that dropping yet. So then yesterday morning uh, when I woke up, I did my normal, you know, made my normal round, sent my normal text messages. I'm like, so what, what are we looking like for the day? Is it, is it looking like it's coming down? Uh, and I got two replies that were, that basically said similar things um, to the effect of, yeah, it's looking like today. So that's when I sent you a text. I was like, yeah, we might want to hold off until tomorrow on this one. Um, and kaboom, here we are, kaboom. Dan Quinn, head coach of the Washington Commanders. Kaboom. Um, before before we move on to, to you know, candidates and whatnot, what, what is kind of the domino effect uh, inside the building, not just with coaches but with personnel? Because, I, like, you know, every coordinator is different. I feel like that could be one of the underlining things many people aren't talking about is this kind of happened a little bit later in the process. So, you know, you got guys down there at senior bowl looking at players. You got boards that you're putting together based off of your coaches. Is is, is it too early to kind of tell if it's going to have a, a major domino effect, given that we don't even know who the next D.C. is going to be? Uh, it's not too early to discuss the possible domino effect. Uh, I'll say that because I discussed it. Uh, in um, a piece that I wrote yesterday in a column I wrote yesterday talking about the fallout of Dan Quinn leaving because it's not necessarily just the fact that, that he departed, which was always a possibility. It's the timing, like you said, in which it happened, kind of put the Cowboys behind the eight ball. And I, I get it, you know, out of respect uh, and for his value with the organization. They gave him grace to kind of let the situation play out. But it's also true that in doing that, you kind of took yourself out of the running for some of these other, other candidates yeah. that have already either been hired in the coaching cycle or decided to stay put in this year's coaching cycle. So now here you are. It's the beginning of February. Um, Senior bowl uh, is this week. Shrine bowl was last night. Uh, And then you saw, and this is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Uh, Still, you saw last week or late last week, who was at senior bowl, I'm sorry, who was at shrine bowl or shrine game practices. Dan Quinn. Next to Will McClay and Cowboys (laughs) merch. You see what I mean? So now you're talking about, going from that to instantly trying to pivot to, okay, who's the new defensive coordinator with senior bowl already underway. Combine is coming up. It's speeding toward us. Uh, The NFL draft free agency is right after the the combine. So, I mean, they're kind of up against the clock right now. So uh, the length, which it took Quinn's decision to be made certainly did not do the Cowboys any favors. They're going to have to really, try to call some audibles here. I mean, obviously, and plus an additional part of the fallout is, guess what? They don't know if they're going to have Joe Witt around. They don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to have Al Harris around. Um, so if you do, does Joe Witt get the nod? That would be, you know, ideal for them. It would also save time. It would keep some continuity in the locker room as well. 
But if you lose your wit, then you look to Al Harris. But Al Harris has already said, if Dan Quinn sends me the hey big head text from Washington or anywhere on the planet, I'm heading out. So where do you go from there? So it kind of puts them up against the eight ball as it stands. Yeah, yeah. Let's kind of talk about that 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 in house uh, situation because I mean I know I know it doesn't take too long, but I get it. You need to obviously do your due diligence on uh, hiring your your the, the guy that's filling in for maybe a DC or an OC. But but Joe Witt to me seems like the the front runner that makes the most sense because he's worked with Mike McCarthy and Al Harris seems to be the popular take. Obviously Trayvon Diggs wants Al Harris, uh, but to me it doesn't feel like Al is is looking to be a defensive coordinator. When when a coordinator comes out and says, "Hey, I'll follow my coordinator," that doesn't sound like he's ready to be one. And when the <laughs> other guy says, "I've been ready to be a defensive coordinator for a long time. I'm just waiting for the right opportunity." It feels more to me like Witt's the guy, but I brought this up earlier, Pat. It also reports could be Joe is getting the opportunity to potentially be the D.C. in Washington. I'd imagine mm-hmm. if that's the case, he's first trained smoking up out of here to be the D.C., but could could McCarthy be a guy that wants Joe Witt to stick around, and that's why we're seeing kind of this wait-and-see uh, game. Oh, McCarthy absolutely wants Joe Witt to stick around, there you go. both for his abil- for his abilities as well as for continuity purposes. If you're you're Mike McCarthy, you're going into a prove it year, right? You did not earn a contract extension. It's all on the line for you in 2024. Do you, if it were up to you, would you prefer to shake up your entire defensive staff, uh, starting that defensive coordinator downward in your prove it year? Probably not. I mean, if I were him, I certainly would not. Um, because let's say Joe Witt does depart. Let's say Al Harris doesn't take the D.C. role and or he departs or stays, however that shakes out. Um, you, now you're probably looking at bringing in somebody from the outside. Could that be Ron Rivera, Mike Vrabel, um, Brandon Staley, or some of these other names that are possibilities, Mike Zimmer? Guess what? Those guys that are going to come in, they're going to look at the, the incumbent staff of assistants and position position coaches on the defensive side of the ball, and they're going to say, those aren't my guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in my guys. So now you have a complete shakeup, which means you have completely new installs that have to be learned. And we saw when Mike McCarthy took over offensive play calling duties, the installs happened, but it took four, it took four or five weeks for that to actually pop off. How long will it take for the defensive side of the ball to pop off with new installs? So what if it takes half a season for them to hit stride? Well, that's half of the season that McCarthy doesn't have to waste or spare because he's only here for one more season if he doesn't earn a contract extension with a deep playoff run. So to answer your question, McCarthy wants some continuity on that side of the ball. Joe Witt is certainly deserving. Uh, To your point, it doesn't sound like Al Harris necessarily um, is thinking. I'm not going to say he's not ready. I believe he's ready, but it goes to thought process. I don't know that he's thinking about the D.C. role right now, but – you put the right bag in front of him, and maybe <laughs> yeah. he re, maybe he thinks about it again. But I'll throw a dark horse in there as well, Aiden Dirty, defensive line coach. Um, I think that as far as inside candidates go, you have Joe Witt as the front runner, Al Harris as the the second guy that you'd be looking at. But don't discount what Aiden Dirty could probably bring you in that capacity. And he's also gotten some interest in some interviews this offseason as well. So he might be ready for that step up also. Actually, I kind of want to get, in, get more into the Aiden Dirty. I think that's a great dark horse uh, name because obviously they love that guy in that building. And what people don't really, I think, understand is that Dan is, is a defensive lines coach in real life. Like that's what, right. he, what he was. That's how he got his name. And that's who he works with. Aiden Dirty was his is his right hand man, 
And he's also obviously yep. the defensive lines coach. So, you know, we talk about the trenches being extremely important. I wonder if if keeping a guy around that has, you know, been working with these guys for the last three, four years, or what have you, is is important to Mike as well. And maybe if if Al goes or if Wick goes, he could be the in-house guy if they go that route. So that's a good name to bring up to me. Yeah, I love what Aiden Dirty would bring to the position. And for those that don't necessarily understand because they're outside of the building, let me tell you, when it comes to Aiden Dirty, he gets the he's the same uh, level of adoration and love as a guy like Al Harris, as a guy like Dan Quinn. I put out an example yesterday that no one had talked about, and I wasn't going to talk about it because some things aren't to be talked about. But when I was posed the question, is Aiden Dirty as beloved as like an Al Harris? And I put that situation now on the example of after the Packers lost, I'm walking around the locker room. Obviously, everybody's dejected and everything. And and there's Osa sitting at his locker just kind of blankly staring into the carpet, and he's, you know, tears are forming in his eyes to starting to fall. In walks Aiden Dirty, eyes full of tears as well, sits down, consoles Osa for all of half an hour. They just mm. sit there talking, kind of leaning on each other and sharing tears. And, and that's the kind of relationships that Aiden Dirty has built, not only with his defensive line group, but with linebackers and with the secondary group. So excellent point that you make as far as Dan Quinn getting his start as a defensive line coach. Same would be with Aiden Dirty, and he is also a player's coach. He is well-loved, uh, very, very skilled. Talk about breakout seasons from guys like Oso Digizua. Talk about helping Dan Quinn uh, reform the culture uh, in the front office as far as getting Jonathan Hankins and, and showing them the value of nose tackles, something that wasn't present before the Aiden yeah. Dirty and Dan Quinn years. And maybe Aiden Dirty also has a, a slightly different outlook than Dan Quinn on, you know, uh, archetypal and stereotypical linebackers. So maybe you end up in an Aiden Dirty situation getting those bigger linebackers that you need. So, again, dark horse that not enough people are talking about, but I want to throw that name out there. We have Patrick Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com with us. Pat, something else I, I brought up earlier was if the Cowboys were to hire a guy like Al Harris or Dirty or – Joe Witt Jr., it would be a complete 180 from what they've done under Jerry Jones, the Jones era for the last 15 years, and that's hire a first-time defensive coordinator. You know, since Wade Phillips was here, uh, you know, it's been since then since they hired a defensive coordinator that hasn't called plays before. You date all the way back to Rob Bryan, Monty Kiffin, Rob Marinelli, uh, Chris Richard and Marinelli worked together, then Nolan and then obviously Dan Quinn as the latest it feels to me like if you're talking about all in as coach or as coach, as Jerry Jones said, when it comes to the all in, it feels like that was funny. <laughs> Freudian slip. Just saying, just saying, man, I do that a lot. With okay. Him. All right. Hey, all right. It, it, it feels like they, Jerry, I'm going to just say that Jerry and Steven feel very hesitant every single time an opening comes up in this regard to hire a first time guy, unless it's their handpicked guy. So if they're not going to go with one of these first-time guys, can you give us some some uh, other names? I know you mentioned them briefly, but can you go in-depth a little bit on some other potential candidates that have called plays, that have that experience? Yeah, I mean, now you're, you're talking outside of the building, and, of course, um, any of these names are going to have a, a, pl a plus and minus next to it. Um, Ron Rivera, for example. I'm not completely out on Ron Rivera. Um, not that I'm completely in on him either, but – uh, as a head coach, I'm out on him. But guess what? You're not hiring him as a head coach. You'd be hiring him as a defensive coordinator, something that he, he did well at uh, on, in several points over the course of his uh, NFL coaching career. Go back and look at 
some of those numbers he did with the Chargers, uh, and he had a top 10, top 5 defense as a coordinator. So that's an option. Uh, and I'm told that uh, they are expecting to interview with Ron Rivera. So there's a name. Mike Vrabel, I was completely out, and I, this was on the record. I was completely out on Mike Vrabel as a head coaching option. But I am completely in on Mike Vrabel as a defensive coordinator option because if you're talking about toughness, you're talking about a guy who knows how to coordinate a defense, um, who will help reinstill some of that added physicality yeah. that could, you know, help you match up with teams like the San Francisco 49ers or some of the uh, AFC teams like the Baltimore Ravens as far as toughness goes. There's Mike Rabel because guess what conference he's coming from, the AFC, and guess who he had to play against a lot, Harbaugh and the Ravens and those types of teams. So I'm in on Harbaugh. Uh, Brandon Staley, he's a name that I've seen thrown out there. Not really in on Brandon Staley. Yes, he's a he's more of the uh, the young sided, young minded guy, I should yeah. say, as far as age goes in this this spectrum. Um, but I, I didn't see much that impressed me from Brandon Staley. I think that his time with the Rams, he kind of wrote McVay's coattails more than than not. So, uh, but it's a name that's out there. I want to go ahead and just for everyone that's listening, let's just go ahead and draw a glowing red line straight through Bill Belichick because it's not <laughs> happening. Okay, Bill Belichick is not, is not, cut money on the table. Anything's possible, yes, but money on the table, Bill, Bill Belichick is not going to downgrade to be anybody's defensive coordinator because he does not have to. He can simply wait out this next season and he'll be somebody's head coach next year. Vrabel can't say the same. Staley can't say the same. Rivera can't say the same. These are guys that need to rebuild their brand, and they can do it the same way Dan Quinn did it, which is you come to, a, come to the most visible team in the NFL and in all of sports, you make this defense what it needs to be, possibly a championship contender, and then in two to three years you're back in a head coaching seat somewhere. So those are some of the names, and then there will be a dark horse here or there. Maybe right. they uh, reach out and interview someone else's defensive line coach, someone else's secondaries coach. But those are the names outside the building to kind of keep an eye on. Last one here, uh, Pat. So no matter who gets hired, uh, no matter what kind of defense they run, whatever, what are some some of the things or something, maybe a main thing you're looking for with the new defensive coordinator that comes in here or the guy that might already be here in the locker room? What is something that you want them to emphasize for the 2024 season? Well, first of all, I want them to give Mozzie Smith some chicken. and uh, <laughs> that, some, Send him down to Hattie B's, bro. Yeah, yeah. Give him what uh what what I got Vot say, give him some peanut butter. Like give him some there's something that like, get his weight back up. So that's first yeah. and foremost. But all jokes aside, that was only half a joke. I was also half serious. Show me show me how you feel about your linebackers. Mm-hmm. The, the the beauty of the Dan Quinn era was that he successfully convinced the Cowboys, Dan Quinn, Joe Witt, Al Harris, that's those are your secondary guys, uh, as far as secondary coaching and then your defensive coordinator. They successfully um turned the coach around at the safety position. Okay, they successfully with Aiden Dirty turned the uh, corner with the front office and how they view nose tackle after all these years, yeah. right? But now there's this glaring hole in the middle where it's like, yeah, you have Damone Clark. He's really, truly the only stereotypical as far as size goes linebacker that you have on the roster. Marquise Bell did well in a flex capacity, but we've seen he can get washed out when those interior guards get to the second level and things like that. You got to show me that you value the linebacker position to the point where. If you get a third crack at a guy like Bobby Wagner, he needs to be in a Cowboys uniform. Um, when you're looking at it from the draft aspect, you know, I'm one of the people who will get in the draft talk down the road, but I want to see offensive line attacked first. But maybe, you know, late day two or something like that, maybe you start looking at linebacker as well to try to get 
uh, a actual diehard guy who can get in here and help Damone Clark multiple. because we don't know what happens. Yeah, multiple because we don't know what happens with LVE from this point forward. Uh, and even if you do get LVE back, you cannot guarantee that he stays on the field. So attack linebacker position if you're the defensive coordinator. Get Mozzie um, some buckets of peanut butter, get his weight back up. Resign Jonathan Hankins. Um, and you're going to have to address the safety position as well, not from the aspect of Malik Hooker and um, and Dono, but J. Ron Curse. Maybe it's the Wanye Thomas show over yeah. J. Ron Curse next year because maybe Curse goes to Washington with Dan Quinn. Who knows how it all shakes out? But that's that's really the main thing for me is you got to show up this linebacker core. Your secondary looks good if you keep Gilmore with Deron Bland, Jordan in rotation, Diggs coming back. Uh, safeties look good for the most part. Defensive line absent the Mozzie Smith equation looks good. Osa is ready to start, you know, getting um, some real, real, real global recognitions. I'm, I'm staring at linebacker. Like, I can't shake yeah. the fact that you have a, a big hole right there that needs to be filled. Uh, to use draft oh. terms, it's a, a <laughs> it's a blinking red. <laughs> can't even get it out now. <laughs> it's a blinking red light. <laughs> Is what they say, you know, around draft time yep. is, is definitely linebacker 100%, man. Hey, Pat, appreciate you, man, joining us this week. And I'm glad that we waited because we got a lot of good nuggets here in regards to this defensive staff. Uh, you, you you enjoy your weekend, brother. 